Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Res- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the, on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am very excited to welcome my guest today. It's someone that I've been wanting to have on the show for years. It is Jenny Hutt. Mm -hmm. She hosts... Hi, just Jenny on Sirius. She is a mom, an author, a dog mom, a a human mom, a lawyer. Uh, I already said author. She's also a perpetual dieter. Um, and I'm an inventor, an inventor, also. a businesswoman. Yes. I had written that down. Oh, yeah. yes, an entrepreneur, such a businesswoman, an inventor, <laughs> someone yeah. who was very patient with all of my uh, tech setup mumbo jumbo that we had to go through to record in yeah. 2021. Actually, it was more my. I you were patient because I was not prepared the way I should have been. I had an old, like I have an old janky external mic. You were like, can you try it? I'm like, sure. It's literally dusty. <laughs> not even like, I'm not even joke, like actually dusty and it works so that you just talked me yeah. through the whole thing. This is great. I learned. It's like, I'm, you know, taking online courses. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you for that. Broadcasting one one. I should offer online courses. You know what though? 100%. Like right when I get set up with the learning annex or wherever, then the pandemic yeah. will be over and we can just go back to in-person. Yeah. But I feel like there's so many, uh, I feel like there's so many podcasts now that like, what if I want to start a podcast? Now mm-hmm. I know how. It's tr- Now it's- I actually know I could Zoom and use QuickTime and use an external mic that I already own. Like I wouldn't even have to buy anything. It's pretty amazing. Maybe I'll have you come speak on the last day of the class. For sure. That's <laughs> a, an excellent guest lecturer. Thank you for that. An You're, adjunct professor, I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jenny, I didn't realize you were a lawyer. Yeah. Yes. Did, I'm a lawyer. did mm-hmm. you practice law for, or do you still practice law? So it's it, earlier today. I don't, I mean, I'm still licensed and in good standing mm-hmm. and I practiced for a very short period of time, a hundred years ago when my kids were super little to the point where I, I almost forget how much I practiced or didn't. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't very much, but today I went and I, we've been doing some, fixing up around the house, like painting and, and emptying bookshelves and starting over. So I was going through photo albums and I found letters that I wrote to my children when they were super, super small. And in one of them, I explained to my son why I'm working as a lawyer, because it's good for my mind. Mm-hmm. Huh? I have no <laughs> recollection. Zero. So that mind has like really left the building. But I guess, yeah, I did. I practiced when they were very, very small. Maybe if it was good for your mind, if you had practiced for longer, you'd remember what you were Probably. thinking that back then. <laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't have an atrophied brain. But I'm turning 51, so it's pretty much how it should be. I think at this point in a female's life, 
your brain starts to go a little bit bananas. Yes. How are you feeling about the pandemic and being home and like, how's all that affected you? Well, I am a homebody typically. So I had for the most part broadcast my show from home. And I used to, I used to think I was a little bit like Grandpa Joe and Grandma Josephina and could live my life from my bed. I don't take it that far anymore. I'm happy to get out of my bed each day, Mm -hmm. but I like being home and I have tremendous social anxiety. So I, I don't love going anywhere. I have to see people. It's a, I think a common thing with broadcasters that I'm, I'm happy with intimacy as long as there's like a separation of where you are and where I am. And yeah, we don't ever have to really hang out. I'm, I'm so good. (laughs) That's so interesting. I, yeah. I definitely prefer recording in person. However, I'm similar in that I in that I have the social anxiety. I'm a homebody. Yeah. I don't like to go yeah. places. I don't like to. Uh-uh. Something I relate so much to that you talk about so openly is just the body image stuff and oh, the God, weight yeah, fluctuating. And yeah, I don't like having to put on like, you know, a silver lining of this pandemic has been like I pretty much worn stretchy pants that no one, you know, all of us. Yeah, the whole time. So I'm not necessarily looking forward to having to sort of show up um, places again. But I do like intimacy as long as it's got the the boundaries of like, this is a show. Yeah, this is microphones. My motto is that life is uncomfortable enough or clothing doesn't have to be. (laughs) So I kind of think you can wear workout pants whenever you want. And I don't ever sort of follow fashion rules. I follow my own rules. I mean, I could put it together and I have Mm -hmm. some great clothing and I can rock a blazer like the next girl in a pair of skinny jeans and boots or or platform sneakers is usually my jam. (laughs) But I, if I don't want to wear denim, I'm not going to wear denim. And the pandemic, I think for me, I'm a, I'm a nervous Jewish mother. And so my college kids have been home a lot. One of them is not home currently. The other one graduated from college from home um, a semester early because he's him. <laughs> and uh, they're, having them home has been unbelievably delightful. And my husband's here too. And it's sort of everyone was safe when we were all under one roof. And that's mm-hmm. all that I really care about. So in that way, We've never been like Keith and I, my husband and I, we don't have to go out with a lot of couples. Like we're happy at home. Right. I mean, happy, like a normal couple happy. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're not weird or anything. <laughs> he wants to kill me half the time, like a normal, <laughs> we're together 25 years. So yeah. Um, I read an article you wrote, I think it was in 2012. Um, it was about yeah. your kids going away to sleepaway camp. Oh, so brutal. And how you felt like you were not a good wife because yes. here you are, you're supposed to like, oh, the kids are out of the house. Now we can have our, you know, be, be, yeah. you know, young lovers again. And you just yes. missed your kids so much. And yes. I, I have not yet had the experience of my kids. They've actually never spent a night away from from home babies (laughs) yeah they're babies babies. but I could I could imagine being in that situation and Mm -hmm. uh, I could relate so much yeah well I never understood the parents and not from like a judgment perspective just sort of like I didn't really get it this happiness when the kids would leave we sent our kids to camp for them to have a good time not for us Mm -hmm. to have a good time because we like our children. We like when they're around. So when they would leave, it would definitely take a bit to get into sort of the routine of not having them in the house. 
But my children always found ways to call us and FaceTime us. I mean, they've never, they've never been that separated either, which is nice. Right. Uh, they're, they're really good kids. How has that experience of um, them doing school from home been for them? Because I feel fortunate mm-hmm. that my children aren't missing school school. Yet. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because they're little. And you're right. When kids are small like that, I mean, we, I barely did mommy and me stuff with both of my kids. I just, I didn't understand. Like, again, I, I just didn't understand. They were little. Like, what did they have to go? <laughs> mommy and I, I did, did do no. mommy and me yeah. with my older one. I didn't even know it existed until yeah. a woman I met at a birthing class ahead of time said to me, oh, are you signed up for mommy and me? And I was like, what? But that is, it is not for the kids. It's just for, I think it's for the mommies. Yeah. And the mothers are so strange. I mean, there were some mothers who were like annoyed with me that I would like sort of go in and go out, like a duck in and duck out. <laughs> Cause I just didn't care if my kid didn't feel like going, then we right. weren't going. Right. Um, but, but this has been my daughter, um, goes to a big 10 school and she is super duper social. So it was really hard for her. Mm-hmm. She did great in school and that was cool. She didn't get sick at all. Poop, poop, poop when she was home. And that was because she was home. Uh, and for my son, it was actually a big relief for me because he's such a um, hard worker and the kind of kid that would not sleep for days on end because he wanted to finish early because he didn't want to waste another semester here. He was like, what's the point if I'm not going to be at school? So mm-hmm. he was busy writing his thesis and taking like all the credits he had to take to graduate early and truly had just like 10 or 12 days where he didn't sleep. I mean, it was awful to witness, but I felt like he had three hots in a cot because <laughs> he was here. And that made me feel much better, mm-hmm. even though I barely saw him. Um, I so said one more parenting question. I, I host yeah. a parenting ish podcast called Childish yeah. with Greg Fitzsimmons. And yeah. we get into more of that stuff over there. But I, I am wondering now. Yeah, it sounds like your kids have different temperaments. They're so different. They're Was night and day. Any of the do you is that just how they emerged? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. They're just and that's again, I went I was reading these these letters about them from when my daughter was one or before, even before that, like four months old till she was three. And my son, they're 20 months apart. I'm bad at math. So I can't give you exactly his age, but the way that I write these letters to each of them and describe them is exactly who they are today. I mean, like exactly who they are today. And I was screenshot, like I was taking pictures of the paper because I typed it and printed it, uh-huh. sending it to my daughter. And she was dying because it's exactly who she is. She's the same kid. And my son, Jacob is the same kid. And they, yeah, I mean, they're very, very, I think what I learned early on and my husband, actually, my husband, it's, I really credit him with this philosophy of just kind of following what our kids' interests were and then encouraging them to do those things. We were never the parents that were joiners. We didn't, we don't make athletes. So we didn't care whether they were on the soccer field. It's just not the children we made. And Mm. so our son's achievements were always academic and that followed him. That's just who he is. And my daughter, I mean, you could truly put her anywhere and she will make friends with the entire place and then like run the place. Like she's <laughs> got more moxie than I mean in her pinky than I have in my whole body. <laughs> it's true. She does. She's, she's really great. I love the idea of writing letters to them. What inspired you to do that? So I think that I, was, and I still am 
I always wanted to do right by my kids. And I still, I think every day, I just always want to sort of say the right things or make them know how incredible I think they are, warts and all. Um, I'm a big believer in being super open and honest with your children. They're not going to be good at everything. Mm -hmm. So we never told them that they were good at everything. (laughs) We would kind of just focus on the things they were good at. And if they had some sort of deficit somewhere, then you kind of say, okay, well, do you care about it or not? And if you don't really care about it, then what are you wasting your time? My daughter was never going to be a gymnast. She had no lift. And (laughs) I mean, it was just not even her best friend at the time was like, actually college, like could be a college level gymnast at like six. And, and Raquel could barely do a cartwheel. And like Jacob could play ball like any other kid, but he was never going to be like, he was never going to college Mm -hmm. for basketball, not even kind of, but he was absurdly smart. So it was, And that he loved learning. So we sort of geared to that. So the letters, I think, in part, it was this idea that I knew I wouldn't remember everything. And I also wanted them to know just how much we were thinking while we were raising them. Because every parent, we make mistakes. You just hope you don't make the same ones your parents make. Mm -hmm. I love that. We make, I mean, every parent makes mistakes. Uh, Did you, did you write multiple letters to them? So there's a, like a stack of just, it was over two or three years. There's maybe every other month or a birthday. It was that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I just typed them out. I don't even, I guess I must've felt inspired to write. I mean, they're really, they're funny. They're funny to look back on them now, 20 years later, 19 years later, 18 years later. And I'm like, I cannot, you know, it's weird. That's such a good idea. I'm totally going to yeah. do this, I say. You do it. Though. It's nice to do for them. <laughs> it's, you know, and then you stop and it's okay. I mean, I stop when they're four and five, I think, or three and five, four. And, and, but I actually remember their personalities after. And mm-hmm. I kind of think they have some of their first memories after. And, I, and if I look at the timeline of, of where I was, I was, I started really working full time when my daughter was almost five. Mm-hmm. So that's when I think my, my time to do it probably shifted too. And working full-time, was that lawyering yeah. or was that um, no, hosting? that was right. So that was when I, I went to assist my father when he was working with Martha Stewart. And then I met Martha's daughter and she asked me to do a radio show with her. So that was my first sort of full-time job while being a mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was wild because I really was my dad's executive sis- assistant for about six months. And then I, I ditched him to <laughs> do the show. And then that would turned into a bunch of shows in our book. And that was great until it ended. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing my own show. I was really lucky that Sirius XM hired me. I think it was off air for like two weeks for Christmas vacation and then had my own show. Mm-hmm. And did you have aspirations of, uh, of being a radio personality before? No, I mean, no. I think I had, um, I think I always wanted to use my voice from the time I was a kid. And I don't even mean use my voice like in a, to be prolific or to mm-hmm. sort of have something to say. No, no. It was purely like play with the instrument. Like I loved calling into radio shows and doing voices, not uh-huh. like animated voices, but like stupid Valley girl voices, <laughs> like just as a teenager. And, uh, I didn't care about winning any contests. I just wanted to get on air. So it was that kind of stuff. And then I had a very short time of wanting to be an actress and and zero really not meant to be an actress. I 
wanted to be a Disney princess because I can sing. I still think I should be a Disney princess because I can sing. But uh, that road is very long and windy. So yeah. that didn't happen. Which one and, would you want to yeah. be? Ariel. You, okay. I mean, I was going to, I assumed listen, as, because of yeah, the hair, but I didn't want yeah. to like put you in a box if you feel yeah, that you're okay. more someone else. I'm not. I'm Ariel. But okay. the thing is with her, now as a grown up, I look back and I'm like, it was terrible. She's like 16 and giving up her yeah. voice. To be with a boy, I mean, mm-hmm. it's all bad. So I I have to rethink my position. Right. Maybe they should but, come up with a new one for you. Yeah, I guess. Probably. The I think they should have a sort of older, <laughs> tragic <laughs> princess queen. So I don't know. But um, but I will say that at one point, like once I, I had met my husband and I was getting married and, and then I we got married and then we got pregnant hate when people say we got pregnant because he didn't get pregnant. I got pregnant. Uh, it was like eight months after we got married that I realized I was pregnant. Mm. And at that point, I don't think I wanted to do anything where there was even a chance that anyone would know me or I, I got so nervous about mm-hmm. having kids and, and someone trying to take them, which was completely irrational. But like in New York City, which is where we lived at the time, if your kid's in a stroke, like people will walk up and touch your baby. And mm-hmm. I mean, back then, right. and that just creeped me out. So I was like, let's just put everybody in, in a box and like protect them. So it wasn't until they were, they were four and five or yeah, like four and five and a half that I really started working. Mm -hmm. And were you friends with Martha Stewart's daughter or did she kind of just pluck you out of? She kind of plucked me. We became friends. I mean Mm -hmm. that we'd become friends when I was working for my father there, but yeah. And then she sort of just sort of um, asked me to do a show with her and then we became good friends And and then we weren't. Yeah, what? Uh, I don't know. I I, I usually beforehand, I yeah. say to someone, is there anything you don't want to talk about? And I you forgot know, I don't, to do there's that. There's something, yeah, all of it was sort of, uh, all of it was sort of public. I mean, there wasn't really anything that happened. It mm-hmm. wasn't like there was a fight or like a massive falling out. I think Alexis was just done. And so then it was done. And that kind of goes with who she is. So I'm much more of a lifer. Like if we're friends, we're probably friends forever. I don't throw away phone numbers. I have an absurd database. I don't, I have very few estrangements Mm -hmm. in my life. I mean, death will cause an estrangement for me, but beyond that, I tend to not go that route, but she didn't want to be my friend anymore or work with me anymore. And so that's okay. And so then you were off air for two weeks yeah. and then you came back with your own show (laughs) and that was just Jenny, the one that you still do. You do five days a week, right? Yeah. And that started in 2012. I mean, literally, I finished our show together. She quit in June. I was on air doing our show for six months. And then I got fired from Martha's Company, which broadcast through Sirius XM in December. And then by January 1 or January 5th, whatever, I launched Just Jenny. Yeah, in 2012. And why did you... Five days a week. What happened getting fired from Martha's Company? Well, I was doing a show with her daughter and her daughter wasn't doing the show anymore. So you can't... It didn't really make sense. Right. What would what would I? It had no. It had. It didn't make sense for me to do that show there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a lot of shows. We had whatever Martha, where we made fun of Martha Stewart. It was like Mystery Science two thousand. It was great. That was on TV. And she was we a had producer show. on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we had another show, Whatever You're Wrong, which was adorable. Um, then we had a talk show too on television. We did a lot in five and a half years, mm-hmm. and and um, I pretty much learned how to broadcast like on the job training it was great did you like having a tv show so i really um 
it was okay. I mean, TV's hard. I there was a year that I co-hosted Dr. Drew also on HLN and I would do other sort of like per diem work with different shows. And it was it's very hard television because if you're insecure like I am, I mean, I'm fine talking anywhere, but I'm so painfully insecure that it was like, do I look ugly? Do I look old? There's always someone younger and prettier and cooler. And I've never been cool anyway. But so I think that I think you're cool. You know, being in my head was what was my tough. And then when Dr. True ended for me, I really lost a lot of fight. Like I, I would, go and do these per diem things or I'd go and I'd, I'd do a segment on the talk or whatever. And I, but I just felt like I'm working so hard for what, mm-hmm. like for what? And I didn't really care about it. And when you don't really care about it in the TV business, you can't do it anymore. Mm. You just can't do it because it's too much of a fight. When you say working hard for what do you mean? Like, because you felt like it wasn't heading anywhere or like, because even if it were heading somewhere, you don't want that. Yeah. I, I, I think that I, I felt like I've never, I've always been someone who had a lot of hustle. That's, Mm. I have a very, very strong work ethic. I mean, it's to my detriment probably that when I'm involved and like I show up, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but I think it was a combination of feeling like the jobs that I could get, didn't really mesh with who I am. Mm. So maybe I could have been a lovely red carpet personality had I wanted to. But there was like the night that Robin Williams died, I was at a red carpet for a show. And I just couldn't ask, like, I think it was Katie Holmes, maybe. Mm -hmm. They wanted me to ask Katie Holmes what she thought of Robin Williams killing himself. And it had nothing to do with the freaking red carpet. I think right. it was her. And I didn't do it. And I, and I got like, not in trouble, mm-hmm. but I got it. I had a, t- a talking to like, you should have. And I was like, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. It's just not. So I think that's the, you know, I've never been very celebrity gossip oriented or sort of gotcha. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to know who you are and stuff about you rather mm-hmm. than try to get you somehow. Right. Yes. I, I sometimes, because I have a journalism background and sometimes I wonder, it's actually like a new thing that I've started wondering, that sort of killer journalism gotcha instinct, is that a sociopathic thing? And is that, because I don't have that, is that why I didn't go as far in that field? I don't think, no. Honestly, Alison, I think if you, I think you have to know what both your, sort of your core is and your North Star and what guides you. So, I've never been one to want to make someone uncomfortable. Mm. Having said that, I have plenty of conversations on my show with people that are incredibly revealing. And vulnerability is something that I find beautiful. And it's kind of how I live my life. I try to be as open as I can every day. I mean, I, I, I want to let people in and I want you to feel okay being you. Mm-hmm. But I don't ever want to make someone feel like I'm probing to expose. Right. It's a very different thing. I, I want you to feel so good that you want to share. Yes. That's it. So I, and, and it also should be relevant. I, I don't, I don't ever want, you know, I think someone was on recently, I was talking to a gymnast or I was going to talk to a gymnast and, and someone said to me like, don't go the Larry Nasser route. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go. The, like, I didn't, 
Why would I? Like, right. this was not the point of the conversation. Do we really have to go down? How do I, I don't need to ask the question. Well, how do you feel about Larry Nassar? Mm. I, I'm sure I can gather and we all can <laughs> right. how they feel about Larry Nassar. So like that kind of probing is just for one reason only and sort of to sensationalize or to make it like, I just, it's not, mm. it's just not who I am. So how does it work having a five day a week show? Do you, what kind of prep do you do? Do you yeah. choose the guests or do they get pitched to you? How does it work? Uh, it's a combination. I mean, I, so I've been doing the show for, for over 15 years, um, That's amazing. which is crazy. Uh, when I, when I think about it, uh, so it's a, if sometimes there are people that I'm dying to talk to, and I'll book them. Those people are usually like doctors and scientists or like really cool legal minds mm-hmm. or someone who's created something extraordinary or real people. I happen to enjoy getting to know just people. Uh, if it's somebody famous, of course, we have a talent department and they can broker stuff. And then I know a lot of people because I've been doing this for a long time. So I've got really good relationships. And so it's really a combination. Mm-hmm. But I have an incredible team at SiriusXM. Um. What was your childhood like? Magical, like everybody else's. <laughs> right? It was ideal, perfect. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, so perfect. Uh, <laughs> there were there were things about my childhood that were um, really probably cool, and then things about my childhood that were normal, like everybody else's. I think. Hmm. Um. So you have been very open about your your yeah. your. You even have a day of the week where you talk about weight, weight Wednesdays. Weight Wednesday. Right? Yeah. Love weight Wednesday. Um, it's the best day. <laughs> so can you tell... So good. Can yeah. I, I am like a little... So I used to listen to your show in the car all yeah. the time. Yeah, um, yeah. And since I haven't been in the car, I feel like I, I, there's, a, there's a Jenny Hutt-shaped hole in my life. <laughs> I need to fix this. I need my weight uh, Wednesdays. Well, weight Wednesdays are good. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always struggled with my body. I was not raised in a household with body positivity, uh, which I think is more common than not in in my generation. And uh, so my weight always went up and down growing up always. I'd be 10 pounds up, I'd be 10 pounds down. And I sort of felt like my mom was happier with me Mm -hmm. when I was thinner than she was when I was heavier. And uh, and then I got married. And after I, I met my husband, I probably gained, I don't know, 30 pounds after I started having kids and I just mm-hmm. didn't lose it. And, and, and then, um, it all sort of, it all sort of goes to get like, I don't even know which year is which year exactly or what like my highest weight was, but then my mother got sick in 2007, late 2007 and, uh, she had pancreatic cancer. So she passed away July of 2008 and after she died, I think that um, I was very overweight, and um, I think I'd probably gained weight during her illness, probably, but I wasn't getting on the scale. And I had gone to a cardiologist because when your mother dies and she's just sort of, she's 65 mm-hmm. and she was thin and she was otherwise healthy and it was just weird and and tragic for me, though, not tragic in the scope of, you know, when you, when you think of real tragedy, a mother is supposed to die before her child. She was just, she just died way too young for her. Like yeah. we thought she'd live till 95. It's still so a huge loss. It was crushing. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. And also 
we live next door to my mother. You know, we were incredibly close. This is a, an, an, you know, an enmeshed family that's, um, didn't need cancer to bring us together. We were right. already very much together. So after she died, I, uh, I had always had high cholesterol, like from the time I was a child, like 14 years old. Mm-hmm. So I changed cardiologists and when he took my blood pressure, he, I was 38 or 39 when I went to him. I think I was 39 when I went to him and he took my blood pressure and he's like, I'm going to send you home with this monitor that's going to monitor your, your blood pressure for 24 hours. So I think you have high blood pressure. And I said, no, I have white coat syndrome. I don't have high blood. You know, my issue is cholesterol. Right. And he was like, I'm the cardiologist. <laughs> and <laughs> I think you're, we're going to find that it's your pressure. Anyway, I had high blood pressure and it was like stupid high. And, uh, and he just said to me, look, we're not going to let heart disease be the thing that kills you. Like I can stop that from happening. Mm. And, um, and I think that was sort of the first wake up call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that, uh, at the second wake up call was knowing that pancreatic cancer loves fat, loves mm. obesity. And, um, and then the third was I was 39 years old and I felt like there was this very short window where I might enjoy my life differently from how I was living it. And I would not ever know unless I gave myself the chance. Mm. And it was the first time in my life that I, I really looked at sort of my whole picture and decided that instead of hating myself, which I had done every other time I'd gone on a diet, like it's that thing we do, like your ass is too big or you're just gross or you'll never wear a pair of jeans or you'll never do that. You'll never be that. And I was like, you know what? I want to be here. Like I want to be healthy. And so in my head, I didn't care about the numbers. I didn't care about fitting into a pair of pants. I really didn't care about what I looked like. It was really like, maybe I could just not be obese. Mm -hmm. If I could just not be obese, that's enough. Like that's where I started. Mm -hmm. I had great nutrition people. I let them weigh me backwards. I mean, I was really, cause I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to hear it until I was ready to face my numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think it took me like a year, maybe a little more, maybe a year and a half to lose about 70 pounds. And that's really how it, ha- you know, and I did every single diet you could possibly do. Cause everything was boring. Mm-hmm. Um, you do low carb and then I'd get nauseated looking at chicken and then <laughs> I stopped eating chicken and then I went low fat. It mm-hmm. was like, Every, and ultimately, it's calorie counting. It's Weight Watchers, my fitness pal. I use those. And every day of my life, I track what I eat. Some days I do it much more specifically than others and accurately than others. I weigh myself every day. And that I've had to learn to look at the scale as just information. It's just data. And I added, I always exercised, but then for like two years, I'd, I, st- I was like, I'm not going to really work out a lot. I didn't want to deal with it because I, I hate it. Every, I hated exercise like <laughs> with a passion, but I did it because I had to. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then about a little more than a year ago, I changed my philosophy on that. And I have to say, more than anything I've ever done, that changed my life. So now, and how did you I love your, exercise? How did you do that? So, um, so exercise was always punitive for me mm. my whole life, um, and I think because like I was always picked last in gym to be on someone's team because I was slow. I mean, slow, still am. And uh, that is, I always this is felt my like, story too. Yeah, no, I but for that. real. And yeah. I can't do a full push up. And I never felt like I was never competitive athletically because mm-hmm. I sucked. So, like, 
I didn't care if I lost to tennis because I wasn't going to win. So why even put forth the effort? Right. None of it was fun. Moving wasn't fun. Moving was drudgery mm-hmm. to the point where I also felt like, why did I have to exercise? Why didn't anyone else have to? Why was I fat? I mean, it was so convoluted and mixed up with sort of my upbringing. I mean, my mother took me to the Golden Door Spa when I was 10 years old. Like what kid really wants to go to the Golden Door at 10? Like it was all very, it felt awful. And what ha- what ha- is the Golden yeah. Door a weight loss spa? Yeah. So yeah, it was like a California trendy, whatever. And so, um, but I think that I felt like, like, oh, you eat ice cream, you have to exercise. It just all was never about joy. Like you Mm -hmm. can't be a dancer because you have a dancer's body, but I love dancing. Like it was just awful. So about a year or so ago, you know, I have anxiety like everybody else, even pre-pandemic. So Mm -hmm. I will not credit the pandemic. (laughs) And, uh, and I kept reading, like, if you move, you feel a little bit better. If you move, your brain feels better. If you move, your anxiety will be a little less. You'll feel a little less sad. And I think this point, this perimenopausal being at the time I was turning 50, um, I think that I was like, okay, I'm just going to try it. It was like a very similar thing to when I lost weight. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to move a little bit every day. Like, I don't care what I do. I don't care if I sweat. I don't care about my heart rate. I'm just going to move a little bit every day, every day. And so for like a month, I did that. And I felt a lot better. And then somebody whispered into my ear, someone in California, uh, her name is Kim Shapiro and she's a nutritionist. I think because of you. Yeah. Kim Shapiro method. She's amazing. And she was like, what if you tried doing 10,000 steps a day? And this was, she'd been on my show and she'd like sort of hinted it and mentioned it. And I was like, okay, I could do that. I'm going to try it. And the minute I gave that to myself as a goal, like without any any rules surrounding it, mm-hmm. just get 10,000 steps a day. I wear an Apple watch or I have my Apple, my iPhone. And it didn't matter if I did all once, didn't matter if I like how slowly I walked, it like freed me. And I saw how easy it was to get 10,000 steps. And when you start to move on a daily basis and it's a non-negotiable, I don't sweat every single day. I sweat a lot of days, but every single day I get 10,000 steps for, for maybe 14 months at this point or no, 13 months at this point. I have not missed a day. And my brain feels completely different. And now like I crave movement. I crave exercise. And I hashtag movement movement every day because look, if I if that could happen to me, it could happen to anybody. Cause I hate I mean, I used to cry. I used to get on the treadmill <laughs> and cry because it was that infuriating to have to do it. And now like I'm excited to get on my Peloton. Like I'm, I love it, which is so weird because it's completely not who I am mm-hmm. or who I was. Yeah. How do you feel now about the uh, girl that you used to be? And the reason I ask is because yeah. I, I like, like I'm sure there's so many listeners right now who are relating so intensely to your story. I, I am one of them, uh, relating so intensely and just the like. When I, you know, when my weight was up, I was not okay. But when it was down, yeah. I was a good girl. And I don't even, it, mm. this was never said explicitly, but it no, was like, not. you just sort of soak you up. You just know. My therapist mentioned, um, I don't know, when I was still seeing her in person, uh, something about um, my parents' love or their approval being conditional. And I was like, no, that's not true. It was, you know, it took me a while to like come around to realize the way in which Mm -hmm. I had interpreted it to be, um, to be conditional Mm -hmm. because I was the, I always Mm -hmm. thought, no, it was unconditional. But anyway, yeah. So like, I'm a good girl when I'm thin and I am bad when I'm fat and all of that. 
And there, you hear so much in culture about like having compassion for yourself. And I struggle with that though. Yeah. So a couple things, I think losing my mother took away, uh, the judge and the jury mm. of that in a sense. And I believe it was subconscious because when she was here, we were really good. Mm -hmm. And when she died, somehow I lost 70 pounds. So there is, you know, that's not a coincidence. Right. So that's, that can't be a coincidence. Uh, I miss her every day, every single day. And it's sort of extra sad because she would have loved the fact that I'm not fat. So that would have just been for her. She would have been tickled. Um, (laughs) But I, I think when you go through that kind of loss and you grieve like that, everything kind of gets put in perspective. And so health for me really became way more important than what I look like. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, with my kids, even when I was heavy, I had one goal. And that was that their weight would never eclipse their worth. It didn't matter if they were fat. didn't matter if they were thin. They weren't any better than if they were fat. Like mm-hmm. that was never going to be the thing. Now, if I screwed them up in other ways, of course, many <laughs> ways, but not there. Right. They can look at me and know that I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and they don't have to be. Mm-hmm. And it became sort of, it's just a much, it just somehow, I, I'm not religious at all, but I'm like, by the grace of God, somehow those kids are not really screwed up about their bodies more than any other right. kid in America, right. if you will. Um So, but of course I have days where I'm triggered or moments where I feel just disgusting or I look at my belly, which needs a tummy tuck, but I'm too scared. I'm, I die on the table to do it. And I'm, so I don't love my, you know, I don't look at my body every day. I'm like, "Mm, look at this. Let me just get naked. No, I mean, I have every issue that every other woman has, but I'm healthy, poo, poo, poo. And I'm, and I'm, and I can walk for miles and I can breathe. And so I look at that and I think that's what really has to matter. I can put it together good enough. And again, it goes back to that TV thing we were talking about. I don't want to fight to be perfect Mm -hmm. because I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be 20, never going to be 30 or 40. I'm only going to get older and I'm only going to get more craggly. So I better (laughs) like be okay with my old craggly self Mm -hmm. and the best me that I can be. And it sounds very kind of like empowering and whatever body positivity and body spo. Um, but it's, it's not really that it's just a, it's like a coping mechanism. I think we get, we get to choose how we manage aging and coping and all those things. And I choose to look at the good stuff. Like I can put my head on the pillow and not really worry about the heart attack the way I once did. Also, like, you know, you move more, you, f- you don't feel as racy, like that mm-hmm. stuff really makes a difference. Now, you said it's not a coincidence that you were able to lose the weight once you lost your uh-huh. mom. Um, but what do you make of that? Like, was there something about having, were you rebelling against the judgment? Yeah, of course. I think that my mother used to say to me things like, I'm the only one who will tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And you kind of learn as you get older, you like unpack stuff. Now I was really, really lucky that I was doing the radio show from 2005 till 2008. till my mother passed away. I learned so much about human nature and people and, and, uh, all the things that I thought were really, really, really weird about me weren't at all weird about mm-hmm. me. Cause the minute you start to talk to people on the radio and the, the listeners call in, 
role exactly the same. We just like have different parents and different friends and different siblings mm-hmm. and different children, but we're all the same. Right. And so that was incredibly freeing and vindicating because then I realized like some of the stuff maybe my mother told me was her truth. And I think what happens with mothers and daughters especially is there's this this almost inability to separate one from the other. Mm-hmm. We'll do this. I I, have, I catch myself with my daughter seeing her do things that I did at her age and going like, no, 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 don't text him. No, don't, just don't, no, please don't. Please don't hook up with him, please, because he's going to do the same thing he did. Please don't. Yeah. And then I'm like, I know exactly how she's feeling, but I don't really, because I'm not her. Like she gets to have, she gets to be her own person. Mm-hmm. And I think that that my mother's generation you know, she wanted to protect me from all that was possibly bad. And fat was bad. And yeah. fat would have meant that maybe someone wouldn't want to marry me. And yeah. I mean, my husband loved my ass. Like my husband misses <laughs> when my ass was bigger. Like he, he fell in love with me. He didn't care about like, he thought that I was the hide. It wasn't a, the weight wasn't a thing for him. And I had sort of been given this bill of goods that somehow you had to be a size zero to be sexy or lovable. And that, and not that that was said to me, but that was the implication, message, and yeah. it just wasn't just wasn't true. So, so I think when she died, a lot of the stuff that I had had, even though we were in a good place, and I wasn't really blaming her for my weight anymore. There's that subconscious that you can't. It's like you you cut your nose to spite your face. I couldn't lose weight and be all that I could be, knowing subconsciously that it might make her happy because I was really angry. And I think I didn't recognize all that anger until she was already gone, which sucks because, again, I just miss her to the point where it's like, oh, like what I would give to talk to her about all of it. Because I know she did the best that she could. Mm-hmm. It's that you get that kind of compa- like the compassion I give to her. I guess I'd hope you'd give to yourself. Like we all do the best that we can. Right. And you created a company and named it after her. And I want to ask you yeah. about that in just one yeah. second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about... BetterHelp. If you're having trouble meeting your goals or having difficulty with relationships or trouble sleeping, feeling stressed or depressed, BetterHelp is available and BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can listen and help. You simply fill out a questionnaire to assess your needs and BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. That is great because I know a lot of people have talked about the difficulty of finding good therapy right now because People are booked. BetterHelp, they will get you to the right person. And also you can, if you feel like it's not a good match, you can request a new therapist, no additional cost. They will get you to the right person. You are not committed. Um, BetterHelp counselors have a broad range of expertise, which is great. Uh, the service is available for clients worldwide and you don't have to sit in an awkward waiting room. Again, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and ARIYNBF listeners. That's you guys, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash best friend. Visit BetterHelp. That's better com slash best friend, betterhelp.com slash best friend, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp professional. Okay, let's talk about yeah. your invention. Bunny and I eyes. Saw, yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw on your pinned tweet, it's Hoda, yeah. right? Hoda. Demonstrating yeah. them. Yeah. I love She's that. She's the coolest. Yeah. Uh, well, she is... 
So that happened. Uh, I'll, I'll, that happened because I had given her a pair at work at SiriusXM. I saw her in the hallway, and we were we just launched. We'd launched like two days before, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, Hoda, we're like similarly aged. Like, would you do you want a pair of reading glasses? Do you wear readers? We were the same power." I threw my bag of glasses on the floor on the hallway at SiriusXM. How gross is that? And I'm like, "What do you want?" <laughs> She took a couple pairs. I showed her how they worked. She freaked out. And I was like, I'm so glad you liked them. And that was it. Like, I, that was it. Mm-hmm. I, I figured maybe she'd go on social media right. and say something. And we're friends. Like, I know I love her. She's like the nicest person in the whole world. But, uh, but then she went on the Today Show and That's talked amazing. about them for like a week straight. It was so insane that I didn't even know, I didn't even know how to process the emotions <laughs> I had after right. because, I, it was such an, an incredibly kind thing for her to do. Mm-hmm. And I, but I guess that's what people, I guess you have relationships with people and if they like what you're doing, then they support, you hope that they support, but it was above and beyond. And she is one of the nicest people I've ever met. Oh, She's so just nice a lovely lady, always has been just an incredibly kind woman. She's just who she, that is just who she is. Oh, that's great. So yeah, no, that's just Hoda. She's yeah. that, she's everything you think she is and more. She's self-deprecating. She's warm. She's just great. So yeah. Oh, so the invention, right? <laughs> so yeah, the things that matter. So um, I think I think you that in my life, like there have been different stages that I've gone through different stuff, and uh, I think I was at a point in 2017 where I started to feel like I can, like I was tired of just talking about me. <laughs> Do you know that feeling, Allison, yes. when you're on the air and you're like. Ugh, does anyone really give a rat's ass about like, I don't know what I'm mad about anymore? Yeah, I for me, I feel but if you're considering not listening anymore, don't because it's going to get so good any minute. But <laughs> so um, good. <laughs> no, I just feel like, oh, my God, it's different shit, but it's the same shit. Right. My own yes. Shit. So that was yeah. it. Yes. So I so like something in me was feeling really frustrated with being me. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, like I got an idea in my belly. And it was, that's never happened to me in my whole life. I don't invent things. I'm not, <laughs> I don't do physics. Like I don't create right. like that. No. Um, but I had been, I had perfect vision until I was 44 years old. Same. And then, yeah, all of a sudden I went from perfect to blind. I can't blind. read my phone. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. I'll send you money. Eyes. I'll send you, just tell I me would, your, when you tell me your power, I'll send them to you. I but would love that. I, uh, but I. And I also couldn't blow my own hair. Now, the pandemic has taught me a few things. Yeah. I can now do my own it hair. Looks good, and that's yeah. life changing. But uh, I use the Revlon all in one. Oh, yes. I've heard so oh much my about God, this. It's amazing. But uh, I would get my hair blown or I'd get my hair colored because I'm gray. And every time I would be so frustrated because I couldn't read at the same time because mm-hmm. I felt like the color wouldn't get on my hair if it was getting on my eyeglasses. Right. So uh, all that was on the market at the time were like the little ones that clipped on your nose. They were very (laughs) ugly. And I think I told my husband and I told my son this idea and, and they were like, that's sort of cool. Like I was like, there has to be a way that you can hold them in your hand. Like there has to be something. And it wasn't fully sort of fleshed out. And then I was at the hair colorist and my sister was in the seat next to me and she looked irritated too. And I was like, why are you, why you look like you're in a bad mood? She was like, cause I'm so annoyed that I can't read, that I can't wear my glasses. And I'm like, stop. So I <laughs> say to her what I'm thinking, I mean, it really happened like this, mm-hmm. which is so crazy. 
And she's like, we have to make them. I'm like, I know, I have no idea where to even begin. Like, what do we do? So we start, true story. I download the um, Hero or Zero app from Lori Grenier, who I had interviewed years prior. And I go through that whole thing. Like, is your idea good? Does it suck? Does it Oh, I didn't even know about this app. I got to check it out. It's a great app because like, I after I played with it, like, a towel that you could do. Everything exists. Like every, but these didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And we went on Amazon, Alibaba, Google. I mean, wherever you could possibly search for glasses you could hold in your hand, we're nowhere. Cause I thought about opera glasses. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you could just hold them, great. But, um, so they didn't exist. And my sister and I were like, holy crap. Like we have a really good idea now. Now, again, I don't even know why I even deigned to think that we could do this or that she thought we'd like, I know, I don't even, to this day, I can't believe we launched this company. <laughs> I still can, that people love them. Um, but then we partnered with a, a mom that my sister had known that had been in eyewear. So I had gone home, I took chopsticks and I broke a pair of glasses and I made readers that looked like this mm-hmm. with a chopstick on each side, right? Right. So, and I was like, look, you could hold them so that if someone's coloring your hair, there's no, like, it's great. It's not getting your hair and you could still read and do whatever you want. Get a blowout, anything. And they do other things too. I mean, if you just do one side, you can lie in your bed and then the temple doesn't dig into the side of your head while you're reading. I love and they're that. just great. Yeah. So wait, they also do this where you tilt the front of the frame so you could be like I, on the field and you could make eye contact and read your phone. I'm, I need, amazing. Yeah, that is the thing I, know, I need do. because I I've started, I yeah. have prescription reading glasses and I've started yeah. wearing them on like the tip of my nose so that I can yes. also look up and Freaks see. Freaks you out. Uh, yeah. This, you could just do that. And they're yeah. fun. They're just fun. So anyway, so I, from the chopsticks, we sort of created Cause I was like, isn't the, my partner was like, you can't just have them. They have to be able to be worn too. So we <laughs> created these wearable, flippable, tiltable reading glasses that we got a utility patent in two years, which is shocking. They normally take five years. Wow. We have three design patents. Our second utility patents almost here. I mean, we have, it's just everything like worked. Now retail is very hard and, and we have great months or great year. We're only, we're not even three years old. Um, and, but it's been, I love my, comp- I love this baby. I love bunny eyes and it. Yeah. We named it after my mom. I mean, she had readers on in every corner and she had, uh, never had a gray hair showing. And, um, I think she would have gotten such a kick out of, out of the whole thing. And that we get to say her name now and it has a difference because her name was bunny. Uh-huh. Um, it's not sad. It's, uh, that's so sweet. It's fun. Yeah, 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 that sounds like so, that sounds really fun. Um, yeah, so I so, also my whole life, I yeah. would like, I would like show off how good my vision was with like driving Same. with. Of course, I would be able to read a street sign super far away, and then I yeah. loved everyone would be like, "Oh my god, you can read that!" Yes, I can. You're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm, I know. Then you go I've blind. Looking for my whole life, yeah, and yeah. then all of a sudden, just because of yeah, age, of and so, and now yeah. it is just. Each day, I feel like I'm looking through like Vaseline even more. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. like it, and it gets worse and worse and worse. It's just awful. Do you need glasses for uh, distance as well? Yeah, I mean now I now it start like if I drive at dusk, things aren't great, mm-hmm. and we're gonna launch optical soon. It's okay. like everything that we've needed, we've created yeah. <laughs> because. That's, they're the only glasses I wear at this point because I love them in every style. Like I know 
I made them. So uh, we need have we need to have prescriptions. So we're making those. Those are next, and they're higher end, and they're cool. And yeah, can we go back to weight yeah. for for a sec? Sure. Do you yeah, get pushback from people who have have opinions about you talking about dieting, weight, all that stuff? What, um, the diet culture people who get mad. Yeah, because when I so I. I talk about weight on my show Mm -hmm. um, as well. And when I, so my story, overweight, up and down, but mostly overweight my whole life, and then managed to to get it off and keep it off for a long time. Um, I look back at how thin I was then, and I think like, but I I didn't feel good then, and I wasn't happy then. But but now I would be so satisfied with that, I think. So we're all like that, yeah. But then when I... I gained a lot of weight with both of my kids. Um, Normal. Like a lot. And I got it off. It just, it came off relatively easily after Elliot as my first. And then my second one, I'm like, I'm just going to gain what they recommend. And then I gained even more than the, and then now I'm in the process of getting that off. And it is so hard. hard. It's so hard. But anyway, but I'm more accepting of it now. Yeah, Um, you should be. But when I talked about the issues that were coming up for me when I was gaining weight, when I was pregnant, I had people who did not, I mean, most people, you know, were, were supportive, but then I had people who in my, in my, uh, iTunes comments, they left some negative comments just saying that they couldn't listen anymore. It was too triggering, blah, 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 blah. Like, then don't listen. Yeah. That's, I mean, the, the trigger comment, I've had people unfollow me because they're triggered by my body stuff. And they send me a note telling me they've unfollowed me because they're triggered. And I'm like, okay, then don't, don't follow me. Um, I don't believe that anybody else needs to be a specific size. I don't care what size you are. I don't care how much you weigh. I think that you're beautiful and amazing and perfect. No matter your jeans, your dress, your muumuu, I don't care Mm -hmm. for my body, for me, I have to be a certain size. For me, it's life or death. For me, it's uh, cancer. It's my heart. It's my blood pressure. And I I know from my body type that I cannot be overweight and be healthy at the same time. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of people who can. I'm just not one of those people. And I think that when I'm overweight, the cortisol increases in my body. And again, I can't handle that. That doesn't work for my body chemistry. So for me, it's really a health-oriented decision that I make each day to try to take the best care of myself that I can. I'm flawed, like everybody. I mean, there are day. I mean, I have a jar of chocolate tahini on my freaking desk, and some days that's all I eat, and I eat gummy bears. But I'm mindful of everything that I put in my mouth, and I weigh myself every day because I also know I'm unreliable, and if I don't follow my prescription for me, mm-hmm. I will gain thirty pounds, and I can't afford to do that. So. Diet culture, diet schmulcher, I don't really care about any of it. I'm just going to do what works for me and works for my body. And to that point, what I find myself doing all the time, and you've probably done this too, Allison, is people will say to me like, well, how do I do it? What do you do every day? Like, what do you eat? And how much do you exercise? And how long are you on the treadmill for? And what speed do you go? And how many Peloton rides do you? And I'm like, dude, like, don't do what I do. You find what works for you and just keep doing it Mm -hmm. because it's boring as fuck to work out and to eat right and to do it on a consistent day-to-day basis. It is not sexy. 
It is a habit and I do, I'm not even motivated to do it. I do it just because it's what I do. Mm-hmm. And the minute we try to emulate somebody else's behavior because we think somehow they have the key, you're already going down the wrong road. Like you just have to figure out what's going to work for you. It's not going to probably not, not going to be exactly the same thing as me. Yeah. Are there some things? Sure. Move every day, eat as best you can, maybe pay attention to how many calories, use an app. Great. But don't follow the like eat gummy bears for breakfast and then like romaine lettuce with salt, vegan freaking <laughs> chicken fingers and like a paper cup with tahini in it. Like that's probably not going to be your favorite dinner. But for me, this is my life. Like, so we just saw everyone you know. go to youtube.com slash Allison Rose. And that is where you can see the lettuce, the tahini. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's all real. I mean, it's not even so that's what I say about that. I think that that when people are triggered, it's because whatever you've said is really being taken by them to be about them. And it's not. It's just like when when trolls come and they say to you, Allison, like, I hate you and you're a loser and nobody should be, your, you know, nobody should like you. Well, then they probably don't like themselves. And mm-hmm. some of you said, like, it's projection. It's never really about you. And it's not about me. So that's how I feel about that. Right. So now a question yeah. that... yeah. I should have put it together before, but it's just dawning on me now. So I am looking at where you record the show and you have been recording there for a long time, right? Yeah. From home. Did you ever do the show in the studio? Yeah, I did the show in the studio um, for a long time. And then when my mom got sick, they put a home system in my house, like a home setup. So that's back in, it was the nicest. I mean, it was just incredibly generous and, Serious XM, I got to tell you, I mean, not, to, I mean, I've worked there for a very long time, but they happen to be an incredible place to work. And uh, they are, they leave you alone to be your creative self and they take care of you when you need to be taken care of. And I just, you know, I feel incredibly lucky that that's been my experience. Uh-huh. Uh, that's great. But uh, yeah, so I had this setup and then they, my kids have always come first. So I think that I needed that setup as backup because if a kid was sick, I wasn't going to leave them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm always home for dinner, essentially. Right. There, my, my son walked in here before when I was talking to you, and I ignored him. So he left. But, like, they always bother me. Like, they're always, nobody cares right. what I'm doing. So, yeah, the home thing works. So then you are always remotely talking to your guests. Well, except, well, before the pandemic, I would go in for certain guests. Like, okay. If, like, Madonna was showing up, I would <laughs> probably be there. Right. But, yeah. But but many of yeah, them. So dependent. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, sure. Do you see them while you are interviewing them or is it just audio? It was audio, but now it would be. And sometimes it was Skype. Mm-hmm. It was very crude. Back, it was very crude a year ago, which is so crazy. <laughs> I know. So crazy how Zoom was not what any of us did. I know. I remember. It's life changing. I remember when this, when, when it became clear that we were going to be needing to do this for the show, yeah. there was this question of like, okay, are we going to use Zoom? Are we going to use Google Hangouts? Are we going to use Skype? And then somehow yeah. everyone decided that like, there is only Zoom. We just only yeah. use Zoom. But I mean, it's, it's, it, it's easy. It works pretty yeah, well. It's great. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah. Oh, and I also wanted to ask you, because sure. I am such a Jenny Hutt fan, I watch your stories, I know about the Hutt Mutt, so and I know yeah, that I you... you I, I did my eyelids. Yeah. You're, yes, I want to ask about that, but I have to tell you, yeah. because uh, I just mentioned all the stories, I remember the first story I watched of yours where I'm like, oh, I definitely want to watch your stories all the time. And I, it was many years ago, you were in a deli, and you were buying diet tuna fish salad, and I was <laughs> like... 
I didn't right. even know they have that. And for, but for some reason, I remember that detail. So it was diet egg white salad. It was a maybe. diet chicken salad or diet egg yes, white salad. Yes, something uh-huh. like that. But I was like, I didn't even know mm-hmm. it comes that way. It does. It does. Um, it does. Yeah. So anyway, the upper eyelids. Yeah. What was yeah, that so, experience like? So I was very, I get Botox. I've gotten Botox on and off since I was 35, but regularly from the time probably I was 40. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm, as I said, I'm turning 51. But that was all I did was Botox in my forehead and like on the side of my eyes. And that's, that's all I've done cosmetics wise. And I've always said like, if I wanted filler, I'd do it. I just am afraid and I haven't done it, whatever. For about two years, I was obsessed with doing my upper eyelids because after I'd lost a lot of weight, I didn't feel like I'd bedroom eyes. Like I had four lids on two eyes. Like my <laughs> eyelids needed a circumcision. Like it was time. And I was afraid and I couldn't find the right doctor and I didn't want to look weird. And mm-hmm. I, and then I found my sister actually found my doctor. I love him. His name is Anthony LaBruna and he's like the night he's in, he's off of Madison Avenue and Park Avenue in New York City. Super fancy. And I um, went for a consultation with him. And this was right before we were launching Bunny Eyes. And I was like, I'm going to be talking about eyes and glasses and showing my eyes. And I hate how I look like they were, my eyelids were so heavy. It looked like I was chronically tired. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I went to him and I got in the chair and I was like, I'm here now. So since I'm here and I'm telling you, I want to do my eyes. Do you think we should do my face? Do you think we should do a neck lift, chin lift, a this lift, a that Mm -hmm. lift? Should we fix this? Should we do? And he was like, no, he was like, first (laughs) of all, he was like, this is in 2018. He said, no, and you're crazy. Like, he was like, I would never take someone who's done nothing and like do the work. do their whole face. I- yeah, because he said, I will take the excess skin from your eyelids. You were going to be so happy. He said, I'm not even going to lift your brow. I'm literally taking the excess skin. You're going to be thrilled. You're not going to believe what a difference it makes. And then I got him to agree to like laser my, my skin to do like resurfacing mm-hmm. while I was under so that I wouldn't have pain from the laser. I'm not really sure what that did. I, I don't really, I'm about to start like a chemo cream treatment to get rid of like precancerous mm-hmm. age spots or something at home. But, uh, but this changed. I mean, it changed my face. It changed my confidence. I looked awake. I was so happy. Even the day after when I was like black and blue and disgusting, I was like, wow, you are gorgeous. Like when I looked in the mirror, I really, I was obsessed. And, um, and I, then I posted every, the whole experience online because I, in the moment, I didn't even wait till it was over. I didn't even wait till like I knew it was good. I was like, oh, this is what I look like now because I just, I hate, I hate the game of pretend so much. Mm -hmm. I just, I think it helps nobody. I think like if I have no wrinkles in my forehead and I tell you I haven't done Botox, I think like that's really mean. Mm -hmm. Or if I, and it goes back to the weight stuff. Like if I pretend that I eat four slices of pizza and somehow I'm okay with a milkshake and then like dinner, no, I can't eat four pieces of pizza ever. Not because I don't have the appetite, but because it'll make me fat. Like I'm not going to pretend somehow that it's that I'm, I'm making choices I'm not making. Mm -hmm. So I, that's why I shared it because, and it made a huge difference to to me. So I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. That's so interesting. I am now yeah. at that age where I'm starting to look at all the like because I've never, I've not. You been, look very young. Oh, I don't know how old you are, but you have nothing. I'm, there's nothing on your face. I'm 45, but thank you. But if you, I yeah, mean, if you, you were up great. in here, thank you. But I, I see it. 
Um, Let me tell you, Allison, you'll know when it's time when everyone is agreeing with you. Like when I was like, I think I want to do my upper eyelids and every one of my friends and people in my life are like, oh, do you know who's going to do it? Like nobody said to me, don't do it. There wasn't a person who said, no, no, wait, you don't need to do that. Everyone was like, oh, well, what's what's recovery like? <laughs> Like nobody. Hello, talk me out yeah, of it, no, please. Yeah, not a person. Nobody talked me out of it. Oh, They're all like, "You need to do it." Mm-hmm. See, and I, then when I found the doctor, they were like, "Great doctor, can't wait to see." Yeah, For real. I have thought of getting a nose job ever since I was like fifteen, but I feel like the window for doing that was a long time ago and I'm afraid and I'm not going to do it. And I'd be so afraid to look different and da, da, da. You just don't need it. Well, thank you. You're thank you. But no, you don't need it. We had, that's a Jewish girl syndrome. That's how we were raised somehow that like, we thought we were all supposed to have this turned up button nose like that. Like I used to still fantasize about that. I used to go like this. Yes. My nose like this. Like if I just look like this, Mm -hmm. it's absurd. I have a little Jewish hook nose and I'm so happy. I never touched my little Jewish hook nose. Like it suits my face. And had I changed it, I don't think I'd look like me. Like I don't think it would have worked long term. Right. And I have to like faces. I don't, I don't want the face that's been like someone else's nose put on yeah. another person's face. That's my fear. That's I like. I feel like there are some that look really good, but then there's some that are obvious nose jobs. Anyway, all of this is a long way of saying that like I I'm of so many minds about it because hearing about your experience of like you felt so confident and you felt so good the next yeah. day, like what well, maybe I'm maybe I could have that. But it eyelids are that's just getting you back to where it was before it yeah i just needed to have my eyes be open yeah they just were so closed so it was a but i don't i'm looking i don't think you need i mean thank you i don't even know what you're like i don't see any issue with your nose doesn't mean you don't see it but i really don't see an issue with your nose thank you so then fine um i won't fly to london when it's safe to do so and go to the particular (laughs) doctor that i'm stalking on instagram (laughs) That's so, I don't even, how you even find that? Wow. Because when I go to my Instagram Explore page, it is just dentistry and noses because oh i need to redo my teeth i have i have porcelain laminates from 1942 and i just can't pony up the bucks to do it i that's my fantasy started following lauren lapkus posted about celebrity dentist it's called like i think it's called celeb dentistry or something this account and i started following them and then it was like pretty fascinating and so now you know the algorithm just shows you what you look at so apparently all i look at are like teeth uh, that like threads that people put in their face yes. freaks me out yes. and noses. And so anyway, I, that's how I found this guy in London. So funny. And I'm following this account. That's like rhinoplasty journey with me. And anyway, wow. Yeah. I, sh- I, I need to come up with some kind of invention to distract my mind from yes. this particular doctor. Yes, you do. <laughs> you need to check. Cause you need to fill your feed with puppies. Yes. I have puppies food. And diamonds is pretty much my feed. Oh, that's good. I think I had, around yeah. the time I got married, I had more diamond type stuff. But I love things that sparkle. I am going to let you go, but first I need to know how are the hot mutts? So cute. Oh, I love you those have dogs. Four or They're five. great. Five. So Hazel is is over sixteen years old. She's sixteen She's years your two standard months. Standard poodle, so right? 
She is, and she is not doing as great oh. as I'd like her to do, but she's 16, she, like it's I got to let her live her life. Yeah. It's a long life. So obviously she's still here and I'm thrilled. She eats, she sleeps, she pees, she poops. We're good. Uh, and then I have Harriet, who is a nervous wreck. She's our first rescue. I love her. She's five. She's really nuts. Then there's Harper, our second rescue, who is three and change. And then, uh, no, she's four. Harper just turned four, I think. Is that possible? Yes. And then Harley is going to be three. No, Harley's going to be four. I can't math. I told you, <laughs> can't do it. And then the baby Henrietta, who I was like bullied into getting, is my baby. Who, bu- and, uh, who bullied you? Well, so my rescues are from North Shore Animal League America, and I they're the greatest organization. And so I first rescued Harriet. And then I don't know why... We then got Harper, but what I know is that when we met, we were told about Harper, she was sick. They're all really cute. They're at the Hot Mutts on Instagram, and I'm the worst Instagrammer with the dogs. I suck. But uh, she was lost all her hair. She was teeny tiny. She had chronic stomach issues. She had fleas. And we went to see her, and my husband had picked her up. She was wrapped in a towel, and she kissed his nose, Aww. and he was like, we'll take her home. And we rehabilitated her, and literally all her hair f- fell out, and now... It had come back. She's like the fluffiest, whitest, prettiest. She looks like a harp seal. She's the most Aww. beautiful dog. And so I think we re- rehabilitated her. And then I saw on their website, like a little black Yorkie poo that was dying. Like they had sent out an email blast, like these puppies are in desperate need. And mm. I texted my con- contact, like, does one of those puppies really exist? Or is this like a solicitation? Like, <laughs> is that really in medical? Is there really a little teeny tiny black poodle thing there? Right. <laughs> and she was like, let me check. And there was, and it was my Harley. And we went and we got Harley. And mm-hmm. Harley is like the gift that keeps on giving. She's just the, she's the bully. She's a bully. Um, and she rules the roost and is mean to her sister sometimes. But she's like the most affectionate human-like dog. Aww. She's half poodle, a quarter Maltese, and a quarter Bichon. And Harper is half, half Havanese, quarter Maltese, quarter Bolognese. And Harriet's half Havanese, and then a quarter, an eighth Shih Tzu, and three eighths mongrel. You don't know. She's a mess. And then, uh, and then the baby, my, my contact there sent me a text one day and was like, I have your, your fourth rescue. And I said, I don't want a fourth rescue. (laughs) And she said, but this puppy came from a puppy mill and she's a teeny tiny red poodle and she's yours and you want her. And I said, (laughs) I said, I don't, and I'm not taking her, but I will find her a home. I'll go. She said, come to meet her. So I went to see her. And I think I was so closed off because I was like, I can't do this again. I can't mm-hmm. have another puppy. I'm finally sleeping. Like babies, I'm finally yeah. sleeping through the night. Everyone's sleeping. They all sleep in our bed. I can't do this. I can't do this. But I'll find her home. And she was so sweet and she was so quiet. So I tried to find her home. And someone went to see her and then was like, I want a bigger dog. Someone else went to see her and just didn't want to deal. Now, at this point, she wasn't really eating much. And they weren't sure they could spay her. So she wasn't ready to be anywhere. Two days later, they spay her without telling me. Because she's not my dog, by the mm-hmm. way. Why I'm so invested, I don't know. <laughs> right. They spay her. And uh, and I find out that she is like about to go in the general population. This is a span of 10 days. Mm-hmm. She's about to go into Gen Pop after she's been spayed. Now she's eating. Now she's healthy. And I said, I don't I don't know that I can let you put her in like the general population. So like with I didn't even tell Keith about her at this point because I kept it quiet because I knew if I mentioned it, we'd be on our way. So that day I mentioned it to Keith that there was this dog. And he said, well, let's just go see her. So we go to see her. And they said, Jenny, would you just, you just want to foster her for three days and see how you feel? Mm-hmm. 
And by the way, when they said that, they were all laughing. I mean, they were laughing <laughs> they knew, at yeah. me. They were fully laughing at me. And I mean, to the point where I think they handed her to me without paperwork because they knew. <laughs> I mean, they just, I mean, she's my fourth dog. From, like, I love these dogs. Like, right. they're my children. And I mean, they're like my babies. And I was like, fine, I'll foster her for three days. My husband said, this is the weirdest time I've ever been, like, in our whole relationship. He's like, I don't know what was wrong with you with this dog. Like, why you're... We're on the fence. It was so weird and so creepy. Like it freaked him out. But I just was like nervous. Like all of a sudden yeah. Apple Cart would be upset again. And I put her in my arms and I took her home and I looked at her and I said, Henrietta, if you sleep, you can stay. Said, if you sleep. By the way, I was never sending her back. Of course. But yeah. I said, if you can sleep, we're good to go. She slept. So she's the perfect dog. Aww. She's an angel fluff. She puts her head, she wants to sleep later than the rest of the house. <laughs> She's in the bed. She sleeps on top of me. She puts herself in. I mean, my kids all say I have a favorite. I don't. She's been with me almost two years. I do not have a favorite. But she's the cute. Oh, my God. She is so freaking cute Aww. and sweet and easy. She's the easiest dog. So How old was yeah, she? They knew. How old was she when she went home with you? <sighs> I don't, three months, two months, four months. So well, young, yeah. Baby. Oh, yeah. Real baby. Aww. Oh, and she's so like sweet. a baby. That makes she's so sweet. That's so sweet. And I love that your husband yeah. is the one who's like, we would he who, if he knew he would have to go get her. <laughs> oh yeah, he loves dogs. Yeah, That's he's really good sweet. that way. He's a good guy. Yeah, Jenny, it was yeah. so yeah. nice finally having you on the show. It was everything I hoped me. it would be. Thank you so much. By the way, you can always text me if you have any any questions, anything going on with you, and I can help you. Just find me you know i'd find love me. to do that um yeah tell everyone where they can find you and how they find your show and all that so i'm at just jenny hut on instagram so i'm very active there i story every day and i do answer my direct messages i don't know why or how but i do i guess i like to connect and my radio show is monday through friday 12 p.m east so nine west on sirius xm stars channel 109 and that's pretty much it. And Bunny Eyes is Bunny Eyes with a Z, bunnyeyes.com. Love that. And if you like yeah. what you're hearing, please make sure you're subscribed. Tell a friend. Leave nice comments on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. And I do read them, and I read them on the show often. Um, <laughs> listen to my other podcast, Childish with Greg Fitzsimmons. And I am on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. You can get uh, bonus episodes every week. I'm doing a big fun Zoom party. I do those monthly uh, behind the scenes content, video of the Thursday episodes, all sorts of fun stuff, more access to me than you even want. Patreon.com. <laughs> and I'm also on cameo and I have a book out and make sure you're subscribed to youtube.com slash Allison Rosen, where you can watch this show. If you are, if you're just listening to it, you can go there. And if you're already there, um, click subscribe. Okay. Thank you so much, Jenny listeners. Thank you. you matter. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. About the Alice and Rosen show. We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Alice and Rosen is your new best friend.